What's up, mom and dad? This is Jake Thompson, and you are listening to the Raising Competitors podcast. Today is a fun one as I get to welcome to the show good friend and fellow speaker and author, Alan Stein Jr. You may have heard Alan and I's conversation on the Compete Everyday podcast a couple of years ago. Alan is the author of the book, Raise Your Game, where he dives into the unseen choices and actions we make and how they impact our opportunities for success. In today's conversation, we dive into youth sports. What are things constructively and encouraging that parents can do from the sidelines? How do we evaluate our coaches to make sure that is the right fit for our youth athlete? And most importantly, what are the questions, the four questions we should be asking our youth athlete about their sports experience? Alan and I have a great conversation that is full of actionable takeaways, practical tips that you can immediately apply in your household to help set your kid up to win in school, in sports, and most importantly, in life. As always, to learn more, to check out past episodes, visit podcast.competeeveryday.com to see all of our Raising Competitors podcast episodes, as well as the other shows on the Compete Everyday Media Network. And as always, to support the show, you can do one of two things. The first, just share this episode with a friend. If you have a friend who's a parent of a youth athlete or just a parent of a future youth athlete, Share this conversation with Alan. Introduce them to the Raising Competitors podcast. And the other way, as easy as well, is visit CompeteEveryday.com and grab a copy of my newest book, The Not-So-Secret Secret to Winning Your Work and Life. It's available at book.competeeveryday.com. And every order, you can get 15% off using the code PODCAST. That's code PODCAST. will get you 15% off any order at CompeteEveryday.com. All right, mom and dad, enough of me. Let's talk about how we raise our game as parents and how we raise the experience of our youth athletes with Alan Stein Jr. Alan Stein, my friend, welcome to the Raising Competitors podcast. I'm so excited to be here, Jake. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Dude, we, we have a lot of fun conversations. We've actually been chatting for like 30 minutes off air. Uh, our listeners are in for such a treat today. Uh, some of them may be familiar with your work, with your amazing book, Raise Your Game, with you being a guest here on the Compete Everyday podcast in the past. But today's fun because you are not only a speaker, author, performance coach, but you're a parent. And so today's conversation will be a lot of fun for those parents as we get into some of your passions around youth sports. I know I've teed it up a little bit, but why don't you give our listeners a little bit of your professional background and then tell us about your family. Sure. Well, from a professional background, to put it into context, you know, basketball was my first identifiable passion. And I fell in love with the game at four or five years old. And, and I'm very thankful that here four decades later, basketball is still a major pillar in my life. And, and that's the reason that's important to bring up is why I believe uh, sports are such an important platform and avenue for children uh, because here my first love the first activity and sport and game I did still plays a major role in my life 40 years later uh, I was a fairly decent high school player uh, I got to play basketball down at Elon down in North Carolina uh, and then that's where I also fell in love with the strength and conditioning and performance side of the sport and when I graduated from Elon uh, decided to marry my original love of basketball 
with my newfound love of strength and conditioning. And I became a basketball performance coach. Uh, I did that for almost 20 years and, and primarily focused on the youth, middle, and high school age market, which is another reason that I'm so passionate about the youth sporting experience. Uh, and then, as you mentioned, uh, four years ago, I decided to make the uh, intentional pivot over uh, to the corporate world as a speaker and author and share everything that the game of basketball and, and just sport in general had taught me. And I teach folks how to apply those lessons and strategies to their work and their life. Uh, and then at present, uh, I have twin sons that are 10 years old and I have a daughter that's eight and all of which are smack dab in the middle of their youth sporting experiences. So I've been able to see this, this journey full circle. You know, I was a, a youth player myself. Then I was able to coach other people's kids. And now I'm sitting in the stands watching my own children. So that uh, is kind of a summary of why I'm just so passionate about youth sports and making sure that it's a, a wonderful environment and experience for as many kids as possible. I love that. And really what tipped off this conversation, we were on a panel in the past uh, with Brian Levinson and we were talking about uh, different aspects and, and youth sports came up and, and being a parent in the stands. And I love a lot of your content and posts because a lot of times in the stands, you, you know, you're yelling at the kid at the free throw line of like, bend your knees, do this, do that. And, and as you pointed out, like that may not be the most helpful thing for the kid. And so what are some of the things I'm curious from your experience, as well as from the parenting and the, the coaching side, things that, that we often don't think about as parents that instinctively we want to yell and encourage our kid, but from an outside perspective, it's probably not the best thing for us to do, especially in those stands. Oh, most certainly. I'm glad the way that you brought that up with, with such insight and with such grace, because here's the way I view it. Um, I have so much respect and appreciation and admiration for youth sports parents. Being one myself, I know how many sacrifices you make uh, with your time, with your money, with your, you know, your effort to support your children. And I know that you have the noblest of intentions and that you want to do everything you can to give your children a wonderful sporting experience. I know that with very minimal exception. The problem is, I can say this both professionally and personally, a good portion of those very noble sports parents are often misguided and they've been fed poor information of what they should be doing to be a supportive parent. And you just highlighted probably the number one, which is they feel the need to coach from the sideline. I know they're doing it with great intention. They believe they're helping their child. Uh, but they're not. And, and the best way I can explain it, and I know, you know, there's a difference between being eight and being 18, but generally speaking, when kids are young and they're first introduced to a new activity, uh, anything that you're going to yell from the sidelines, doesn't matter if it's positive or negative, doesn't matter if it's inspirational or instructional, all it's going to do is add chaos to that situation. You are actually making it harder for your child to process information in real time and do what they're supposed to do. So you're just, you're just making extra noise. You know, the, the young person, first and foremost, should, number one concern should just be, are they having fun? You know, out there just having a good time. Uh, they also should be worried about giving the best effort that they can. I think that's one of the most important traits that we learn from skills, excuse me, learn from sports. But then next, the only voice they should be listening to is that of their coach. So when parents are yelling instructions and telling kids what to do, you know, it's, 
they're just getting information overload. And I say both of these things in jest, but hopefully this will put it in perspective. Uh, I just want you right now, whoever's listening to this, that imagine you are at your job, and, and let's just say for the, generally speaking, you are sitting at a desk, and you had nine young people, nine kids come in, and each of them start yelling something at you. You know, grab your stapler, grab your stapler. Hey, you need to hit send, hit send on that email. And all nine of them are yelling at you to do something. I want you to think how... How productive would you be that day? How hard would your job be? Uh, we could even take it down to, you know, uh, for those of you that are, you know, wake up and you, you have a family of three or four kids and you're making them breakfast and all three or four kids come in and sit at the kitchen and start screaming out instructions on how you should be making the eggs or the pancakes. Uh, it would make that much more challenging. And I know those are a little bit overdramatic just to add some levity to it but it's not much different than what your kids experience. Because remember, you're not the only parent yelling. You've got 20 other parents probably yelling as well. And this kid's trying to do what they think is best for them to do while they're trying to focus on their coach. And now they have all of this outside noise. So parents, I, I beg of you with great intention to please stop coaching from the sidelines. It's not helping. So one of the things that I think comes up with this conversation, specifically with parents wanting to coach, uh, especially from that sideline, is the concern that the coach themselves doesn't have the player's best interest at heart, or the coach is not a good coach. And many times that isn't the case. Sometimes the coach has better insight to the team dynamics than a parent does. But there are occasions where the coaches, it's not a good fit for the player. And, and I'm mm -hmm. going to preface when I say that of it's not because your kid isn't playing all the time, because sometimes it's okay to have a kid that is a backup and has to learn how to fight for a starting position. But sometimes the relationship, it's just not a, a good fit. How do you identify as a parent what's a good coaching relationship and what's one that I, we might need to look at a different team, a different league. This, this isn't a good fit for us for things that are that need to be changed versus things such as guaranteed starting position and, and things that we both you and I are very much against. Most certainly. Well, once again, um, I'm when I say youth, I'm basically talking about high school and below. So I know that I'm lumping in a wide range of ages, basically from eight to 18. Uh, and I know that it's not identical. I am well aware that as you get older and matriculate up through high school and you're 16 and 17, that that sport can be I don't want to say a business by any means, but it can certainly be something that's a little bit more serious than when you were eight or nine years old. Um, so first and foremost, I think every parent needs to get great clarity on why do you want your children to play sports? Uh, and that's not for me to answer for anyone. Uh, that's for each and every parent to be able to articulate and say, why do I want my child to play sports? Uh, for me, I'll just share why I want my children to play sports. One because I think sports can be just an absolute blast as far as just having fun and being around your friends, enjoying some physical activity, you know, enjoying improvement of a skill set in a game. I mean, let's not forget, these are games. You know, I grew up on basketball. The goal is to put a round ball in an iron hoop. Like, it's a game, and it should be fun. Uh, I also believe that sports are um, an unparalleled platform for teaching life lessons like being coachable and, and being respectful and working hard and having a positive attitude. You know, so that's why I want my children to play sports. So because of that, that's the criteria at which I look for someone that's coaching. Uh, I don't expect my son's fourth grade basketball coach to be uh, on the equivalent of an NBA coach. 
He's volunteering his time to help with a group of fourth graders. So based on what I just said, here's what's most important to me. Is this coach a good role model? You know, does he, does he have high character and moral values? Does he hold my kids accountable to doing the same? Does he provide a fun environment where my kids can not only learn a skill, but enjoy the process? Is he teaching and reinforcing these life lessons that I believe are so important? If he's doing all of those things, that's all that I'm looking for. I'm not concerned with how much my kids are playing or how many points they're scoring because that's what's important to me. So every parent needs to figure that part out and then reverse engineer that. Decide why you want your kids to play sports, decide what's important about that, and then just make sure that the coach can fit that. And, you know, I, I do think it's sometimes comical that we would expect a mother or father that's volunteering their time to coach a group of third or fourth graders, we expect them to have the acumen of a division one coach or an MBA coach or a professional coach. Like we, we need to, to, to be realists in the standards that we're setting. So with that being said, I think that's what's most important is figure out why you want your kids to play sports, figure out what's most important, what do you value most, and then make sure that that's in alignment. And if anytime you find that a coach is not in alignment with your values and the reason you want your kids to play sports, they don't have to be on the team. You know, this is completely voluntary. You, you, people always act like it's a lifetime contract. If you don't like the coach, you don't complain about it or make excuses or diminish or, ber you know, berate the coach. You go play somewhere else. I mean, that's, that's the, the beauty of living in a free society. Very, very much is. And, and one of the things you talked about is, is determining what are some of the things you want the kids to get out of sports, the important life lessons of, of work ethic and learning to be a great teammate and, and dealing with challenges and adversity. A lot of times we have more ability on uh, as parents to reinforce those messages, to instill those messages on the car rides to games, on the car rides home from games, throughout the week in between practices and games. What are some things that you do, perhaps questions you ask or, or conversations you have with your kids to talk about those important messages so that you're continuing, re, continually reinforcing what not only the coach is telling, what the sport is teaching, but the things that you want them to take away that they'll be set up to succeed with regardless of whether they ever play basketball after eighth grade, after 12th grade, or after college ever again? Oh, I love that. And you teed it up perfectly. And, and before I share, because I have very four distinct questions that, that I ask my young kids, but I also asked elite level players when I was working at Montrose and DeMatha. I mean, these were future NBA players, and these were still the only four questions that mattered to me uh, as their coach. But what you just brought up a great point is that how important kind of the unseen hours are and, and the, the seeds we plant with our children at the dinner table and to and from practices in the car those things carry heavy weight. And this is why it's so important based on what I said in my previous answer, that you are reinforcing the behavior that you want to see not only with your child, but that you want to see through sport and through the coach. Because think about this. If, if you tell your child, you know, your coach is an idiot or your coach should be playing you more, or, you know, I don't like this coach. We need to find another team. I'm not saying that you, that, that you don't have the right to make that decision. I'm not even saying that you're, you know, what you're saying isn't accurate, but what I want you to take control of is the unconscious message that you're planting with your child. You're teaching your child unconsciously that it's okay to blame other people, that it's okay to make excuses, that it's okay to complain. And those are three things that I know as a parent, I'm working really hard to take out of my vocabulary 
but I really want to make sure that my children don't grow up thinking that it's okay to blame, complain, or make excuses. Uh, because those three things, um, it's like walking around with a weight vest on. You know, they limit your performance, they limit your happiness, they limit your development. So it's just vital that parents understand that you might have these values and you want these things, but then the moment something doesn't go your way, you're going to undermine all of that by this type of behavior. So for me, if my kids have what, I assume, what I'm thinking is not the best coach in the world, I'm okay with that because that's how they're going to learn. Because you're going to go through life and you're going to meet a lot of people that aren't very good at what they do. You're going to meet a lot of people that don't do things the way that you like. You know, our kids are going to face all kinds of adversity in life. And I want my children to learn how to manage it and deal with it on their own, even at a young age, not have me bail them out by making excuses, blaming, and complaining. So after that tangent, now I'll finally answer your question. I have four <laughs> things that I ask my children uh, after every single activity. This isn't even just relegated to sport. This is any activity that they do. Question number one. Did you have fun? Because if you're not having fun, then there's no sense in playing. There's no sense in me driving you there and paying for it. The whole point to do this is to enjoy it. So did you have fun? Second, did you give the best effort you were capable of? Did you play hard? You know, I mean, did you just go through the motions or did you really put everything you have into it? And that's part of what sports do is I want to teach my children what it means to work hard. It's a it's subjective definition by all of us. You know, Jake, what you consider working hard, I might laugh at. What I consider working hard, I'm pretty sure Kobe Bryant would laugh at. So it's so important that, that we have some type of measuring stick. Then the next question I ask them is, were you coachable? You know, did you listen to your coach or your instructor or your trainer or your teacher? Were you open to instruction? And not only, you know, did, did you give them the respect of, of eye contact and warm body language? Did you nod and say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am? You know, were you coachable? And then the last was, or the last question I ask is, were you a good teammate? Did you do something else, you know, to make somebody else smile? Did you do something else to help them have fun? You know, did you do something else to help them improve? So I want my kids to learn very much that as much as I want them to be driven to, to improve their own performance, I always want them to be of service of others. And if they can answer yes to those four questions, yes, I had fun, yes, I worked hard, yes, I listened to my coaches, and yes, I was a good teammate. As long as they give me four yeses, I will continue to pay for, drive them to, and support them in any activity that they do. And what's most important about those questions is if you do those four things, it is the only way you can maximize your athletic potential. So for any par parent listening right now that's thinking, I want my kid to get a college scholarship. I want my kid to be a pro. Okay, that's fine. Those aren't my values, but you have the right to have them. And if those are your values, the only way your child will be able to maximize their potential is if they're having fun, they're working hard, they're open to coaching, and they're helping their teammates get better. Like that's the recipe for getting a college scholarship. That's the recipe for eventually being a pro is doing those four things. You don't have to worry about playing time and points scored. If you're doing those four things, those two things will take care of themselves. I love it. I love it. It's funny. It reminded me of uh, last night, actually, a friend of mine that's a coach and a uh, football coach in East Texas uh, talked about the last dance, which just wrapped up. Mm -hmm. um, and, and somebody had posted on social media and just a reminder for parents. It was like, Jordan played JV as a sophomore. Pippen started college as a manager. Rodman didn't play high school basketball. 
Steve Kerr didn't get any offers until his senior year. Meanwhile, we have people trying to commit as eighth graders, worried about all their exposure and immediate playing time and comparing themselves to young age groups. Just focus on having fun and getting better. Like that is a, just a great reminder of, of things that we lose track of. And the four questions you just shared there are so pivotal for us because what we ask our kids, the, the conversations we have with them will tell them what we believe is important. And if we're, yes. like we said, if you're making excuses, if you're complaining, then the things we're complaining about is all that they're going to think are important. If we talk only Absolutely. about the baskets they scored, it's, that's all they're going to think about. And, and we, that's a whole other tangent of, of those people and, and people that have dealt with the idea of having to score to earn love and, and where that rabbit hole can lead yep. us. But your questions right there were, were fantastic for those listening. The thing that you mentioned that I would love to just take a quick second for for our parents is the unseen hours. And that's a huge piece of your work, of your book, Raise Your Game, which is fantastic uh, and highly recommend for all the parents listening. We, we have it listed here in the show notes, but it's the unseen hours between practices, between game days that, that make some of the biggest differences. And that's also the same with us as parents, as professionals. And yes. what are some things that we can do when our kids aren't around? in those unseen hours when the kids aren't there immediately watching us that can help us be better for when they are. Well, man, I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up. The unseen hours are so important to all of us. And first, let me just give a couple of nuggets that parents can share with their kids. And then I'll actually talk about what parents can be doing. But what, what I make sure that I've taught my children is repetition is not punishment. Repetition is the mother of all skill. Repetition is the oldest and most effective form of learning on the planet, and I don't think that's ever going to change. So I've made sure that my children understand, if you want to be good at anything, doesn't matter if it's geometry or free throw shooting, the key is purposeful repetition. And I make sure that they understand that there is a difference between preparation and performance. We as a society put way too much emphasis on performance, which for a sport is, is when the lights come on and the, the cheerleaders start dancing. That's game time. But for you to perform well on Friday night in front of a packed house, you have to prepare well leading up to that. And most of that preparation needs to come in the form of the unseen hours. So I keep telling my children, you know, now, now the hardest part for them to understand and for any of us to understand is you can still do everything you can to prepare and still not perform at the level that, that you'd like or that you're capable of. That's just a part of life. That's something we all have to understand. I mean, we've all studied extensively for a test and not done as well on it as we'd hoped. We've all practiced relentlessly and still lost the game. Those things happen. But it, you're still giving yourself the best chance to be successful as opposed to not preparing and not studying and not practicing. So if, if, if my children don't play well during one of their Saturday basketball games and they're upset about it, um, I respect the fact that they're upset. I allow them to sit in their disappointment. I don't ever try to rob them of, of the pain and disappointment because I think that can be a good teacher. And when it's appropriate, my question is, well, how much did you practice this past week? I see you're, you're upset that you didn't shoot the ball very well during your game. How many shots did you make this week when you were by yourself? And usually the answer is either none or apparently not enough. But either way, I make the connection with them so that they realize, hey, I didn't perform well. And that's my fault. That's not the coach's fault. That's not the ref's fault. It's my fault for not putting in the work to deserve that. And then I'll just give them a gently reminder the next week. 
Like, hey, I, I see you're on your iPad. Remember last time that you didn't prepare, you didn't play well, and you were upset. You know, I'm not going to make you go out and take some shots, but that might be something you want to consider doing. And, and it starts to make that stickier. So that's the unseen hours with them. As far as us, as far as parents, the unseen hours, you know, there, there's so many things to think about. One, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in kind of taking a holistic approach to becoming our best selves. Uh, I really believe that the best thing we can do as parents for our children is to become the best version of ourselves in every area of our life. Uh, I think we should all be paying very close attention to our mental, emotional, and physical well-being and health. And the more we pour into those things during our own unseen hour, the more we'll model the type of behavior that we want to see in our children. So I don't just lecture my children on preparation. My children see the preparation I put into prior to being on a podcast like this, prior to a speaking engagement. Prior to anything that I want to excel in, they know, because I share it with them, that I'm doing things to prepare as well. So I think if, if you want your children to eat healthy and be fit, then it helps if we live a lifestyle that's congruent with being healthy and being fit. And it doesn't mean we all have to have the same energy and bodies that we had when we were 18. That's not realistic. But it means we have to emphasize those things and, and, and treat them with care during our unseen hours because we want to show our children that that's important for them to do as well. So as parents and as coaching, modeling the behavior we want to see is the most important thing we can do during our unseen hours. Love it. Love it. And, and we've talked about it here on the show before and, and from parents, from an active movement standpoint, playing a sport, working out, being you know healthy in terms of the food choices and, and an active lifestyle kids, they've shown studies that kids are 2.8 times more likely to be active if mom is. It's like 3.9 if dad is. And then it's almost six times as much if both parents are. Mm. And so if they see it, regardless of whether you do it together, whether um, you're separated, but both people have that active lifestyle, it, it's such an important thing for them to see because they're always watching us. There's a reason we laugh when if you ever drop a curse word around a toddler and suddenly they picked it up and it's the first word they're using, it's because they're watching and modeling you. And so thank you incredibly for that reminder, just the importance of, of what we do in our unseen hours for those that are watching us, for those that we live with. Alan, where can parents go to one, learn more about your work? Obviously grab your book. We've got linked here in the show notes, but especially follow you online because you put out some really good content. Oh, thank you so much, Jake. And the feeling's very mutual, man. I, I love everything that you put out and you constantly plant seeds and fill my bucket, my friend. Um, the, the main hub of, <clears throat> hub of everything I do is just allensteinjr.com. Um, and you can also go to raiseyourgamebook.com. And I'm at Alan Stein Jr. on the major social channels. Uh, and I will say as a passion project, um, I'm actually working uh, and should be out and ready by this fall, a book called The Sideline. And it is a, a survival guide for youth sports parents. I mean, this book, and, and I say book lightly, it's only going to be 100 pages. It's going to have a, a very small physical size because I want it to be something that moms can put in their purses and dads can tuck in into their jacket. Uh, and it's going to be a very practical guide with this type of stuff. Uh, what we as parents can do to actually uh, make the sporting experience the best possible uh, situation for our children. So um, if you just follow me along on the, the website and on social, you'll certainly hear announcements about that. 
Love it. Love it. And that just gives me an excuse to get you back on the podcast uh, for when that book's released so we can help talk about it a little bit more, dive into some of it, and then obviously encourage the parents here to pick up a copy of a much needed field manual uh, for surviving and thriving in youth sports. Alan, man, thanks for having time and hanging out with us today. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Jake. Thanks again, mom and dad, for tuning in to another episode of the Raising Competitors podcast brought to you by Compete Every Day. To find more episodes from past shows, visit podcast.competeeveryday.com. To find articles and blog posts and content around youth sports and parenting, please visit blog.competeeveryday.com. And as always, until we see you again next episode, keep competing for your family, your future, and your best life.